Good morning, everybody. It's great to see everybody. <clears throat> um, if you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and the kids are, are released, they're free to go. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. And I want to just talk about, this is the last, I think, <clears throat> unless God changes his mind on this, I say the last, but it could be something different next week. But I'd like to just continue with this theme that we've been having on the, re- the release of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and excuse me for my, my throat and I just have some congestion. I think I had COVID when I was in Poland, one of those mild versions of it. And uh, just since then, it's, it's, uh, I feel like I got stuff in my chest. So, so thanks for bearing with me. If you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, I want to look at this principle of breakthrough. And I think that this is a word that we have heard, I think, in our, church, in our churches, in Christianity, uh, where we pray for the breakthrough when we are looking for the breakthrough of things that we are facing, the walls, uh, the difficulties, the hindrances, the pain, the difficulty. And we really are, in some cases, maybe years or months or weeks praying for a breakthrough. And I think to look at the, the principle of breakthrough and the releasing of God in our life, we have to understand a few things. And we talked about these things the last two weeks. And if you haven't had a chance, go ahead and check online. There's a video there of these last two sermons. But you know, I think when we look at our houses or where we're living and we want to do a remodel, how many have ever remodeled your house? How many have ever had that joy of doing that? I have done that. <laughs> And it is a really hard thing. I mean, you're living in a house. How many of you have lived in your house during the remodel? And that is like, that is just really, it, is a, it, it really is a traumatic, it's a very difficult thing. Like when you're remodeling, uh, we're remodeling and we're trying to do the remodel in a way that it would be, uh, it's not so painful. And whatever we do, the remodeling does take a lot of pain. It does take a lot of breaking down, removing things. And as you're removing things, as you're taking cabinets out and you're moving out old appliances and things like that, what happens sometimes? We find stuff behind the, we find stuff behind the, uh, the appliances, behind the shelves. We find all this stuff that, you know, like things that we've been missing for years, maybe. And we're, we're, we're finding a lot of things and it's actually quite painful and it's very traumatic. And we're in a place where, where um, it's very uncomfortable. But we have to go through that for God to bring in the new. We have to, we have to go through that for things, you know, for things that we want to put in place in the place. And I think that it's, when we look at our Christianity, God is not looking to remodel us. God is not looking to um, do a better job or take some things out and just put something better. God is actually looking for an absolute transformation. Something where God is just taking out not only the old and the, the junky, but he's putting in brand new things in their place. And I think this is where brokenness comes in. We've been talking about brokenness and brokenness is, is really the road that we need to take for breakthrough in our life. If we want breakthrough, if we want these things to, uh, to, to lose its power on our lives, the things that we want to see God break through, <clears throat> there are things that really that, that have to be broken in our life first. And a, break, and a brokenness, brokenness for a breakthrough is not an emotional, it's not an emotional or sensational experience. 
I think that sometimes we think that the big decisions, the big things that have to happen in my life for the breakthrough, for the powerful moments, are things that we have to be, it has to be really like a sensational emotional moment. But it's not necessarily a point. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 11, uh, Paul says this, and we alluded to this last week, for we who are alive are continually being handed over to death because of Jesus. That's a great Bible verse, isn't it? <laughs> Very hopeful, isn't it? Like we are being continually delivered over to death. And when someone says, hey, how's, your, how's your life? How's your Christianity? How blessed are you? You're getting your blessing. And I think a lot of times, nine times out of 10, we're saying I'm being continually being delivered over to death for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's a great thing. Like if you're evangelizing and sharing the gospel with somebody and says, you know, Christianity has a look for you. Well, I'm being continually being delivered over to dying to myself so that in order that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our mortal flesh, that's breakthrough. And I wanna just focus on that for a few minutes this morning. Four things about brokenness. Number one, brokenness is an act of the will to surrender, to you, to take, to surrender your will to God's will. That's number one. Brokenness is when I say yes to God. It's like Jesus in the garden when he said, Lord, not my will. And here is Jesus in his humanity. Jesus is crying out to the Lord. He said, this is, a, this is a hard cup. This is a bitter cup. And if it be your will, remove this cup from me. We see the humanity of Christ coming out. Then Jesus says, not my will, but thine be done. Number two, to be broken means that I say yes to God what he wants over what I want. Yeah, this may sound simple, but it may sound repetitive to what we've said the last couple, couple weeks. But brokenness means that I'm saying yes to God, what he wants over what I want for my life. Number two, and number three, to be broken is a decision to humble ourselves and to acknowledge our need for help. You know, remember, my wife was leaving, this is a few years ago, she was leaving for a business meeting in the evening, and she left this <clears throat> puzzle, mind puzzle, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a block, of, it's a piece of wood and there's one nail in the, in the, in the middle of it. And the idea was is to take the other nails and put them in such a way that I think is like nine, six or nine nails that you needed to place in a certain way where they're all balancing and they were all like horizontal on that one nail. And there's a way to do it. And I just spent for, I, f I spent quite a while. She said, get this, see if you can do this before I get home. I was like, okay, great. We didn't have Caleb at the time, so I had some time. <laughs> and my son, five years old. And so I'm working on it, working on it. And then I thought, you know what? I'm gonna Google this. So I Googled it. I Googled the puzzle. I found the puzzle, the nail with the, the nail on the board with the, with the nails. And I Googled it. And there was a step-by-step -step process to do it. And I put it on the table, on the kitchen table. And she came home and she looked at it and she goes, you did it. And she said, did you need help? I said, yes, I needed help. I needed to Google the answer. She goes, that was the point of the puzzle, to get help, to ask for help. And that is hard for us because I think sometimes we really don't want to ask for help. It's like some of us men with GPS, like with, with directions, you know, like the GPS is saying this way. We're like, no, I think I got a better way, you know. And it's sometimes it's really hard for us to ask for help. Number four, brokenness is God stripping you of our self-sufficiency and God's attacking our pride so that the life of Christ can be made manifest in you. So brokenness, brokenness is our breakthrough. When we talk about a breakthrough, when we're talking about waiting for a breakthrough in our life, when we're asking God, God, I want a breakthrough in my school. I want a breakthrough in my marriage. Lord, I want a breakthrough in my health. God, I want a breakthrough in my career or my job. And when, we, when we're praying like this, the answer really is God has to break us. And this is, this is not maybe exciting to hear, but there's a way of blessing after we're broken. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, it says this. 
It says, for thus says the high and lofty one who resides forever and whose name is holy. I reside in a high and holy place and with the contrite and humblest spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you know, I think that if we were to ask ourselves today, why have we not experienced this breakthrough that we are really, really seeking? Is it maybe because we have not allowed God to break us fully? In this verse here, it really just makes it clear to us that God resides with the lowly and with the broken. God is not residing, and there's two things in this verse. It says that God lives in the high and holy place, but he dwells with the lowly. God is not, God is not dwelling with the spiritually professional people. God is not residing with the people that seem to really have it all together. But when our heart is broken and when we're contrite, that word in Hebrew is a word, it's like taking a brick and it's like, it's like crushing it to powder. You ever seen red powder, like a reddish powder from a brick because it's been crushed? This is what God, when God does this to us, we have the guarantee that we have the presence of God. And when we feel this brokenness, this contrition, it is something that God is grinding in our life. It's this breaking process. It's the breaking of our pride and our self-sufficiency. Pride and trusting ourselves are the greatest sins in Christianity. I'll say that again. I think when we talk about sin in the Bible, we're talking, you know, the, the dirty dozen or the top 10 or whatever the, whatever the sin that you might think is the worst sin. The Bible over and over defines the greatest sin in, the, in, in humanity as really pride and self-reliance. Why is that? Because when we are proud and when we are self-reliant, we don't see the hand of God in our life and we're not experiencing his breakthrough in our lives. Our pride may be really getting in the way of our breakthroughs. Until our pride and independence and our self-sufficiency is ground into powder, there's no amount of Bible studies, there's no amount of religious programs that I can be a part of. There's no more books or there's no more sermons. It doesn't matter how many sermons and things that I'm doing there because God cannot break through. God cannot break through. If I'm not broken to the point where, where, where my greatest need and my greatest sin is not broken, then there's a point where I just don't, under, I don't sense and I don't walk through in the breakthrough of God. What was Satan's great, greatest sin? His greatest sin was I will, right? Self-reliance, I will. I will do this. I will be as most high. And you know, if you and I are in a place where we're being broken and we, can, we just cry out, we say, Lord, I don't think I can take this another day. I don't think I can t- take this marital situation another day. I don't think I can take this work or health situation another day. We are in a great place. Can I tell you we're in a great place? It's not a bad place. Sometimes when we ask people, how are you? I don't know if I'm in a good place. But if you're in a place where it's desperation, where you just, you're just out of answers and you're at the end of yourself, this is a great place. And we need to recognize that as a great place. And we need to confess that this is a great place. Because God is doing something in our life where there's a great, great breakthrough coming on this way. God can only bless when he breaks um, when he breaks us. And why would he, why would he bless us with something when we're already filled with ourselves? Like how can he bless us with something, with, with something incredible when we're so filled with our own way? God can't bless us. And this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says here, he's saying to the Corinthian church, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning our affliction that happened in the province of Asia. Listen to what happened here. That we were burdened to an extraordinary degree above our strength, um, above our strength, so that, we were, so that we were in despair of even living. They were wondering if they were gonna survive. This is, what the, this is how far 
This is how, separate, how desperate this circumstance was. But we ourselves had the sentence of death in ourselves so that we would not be putting confidence in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Does that remind you of something in the Old Testament where, where God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him to me? And he does that. He brings him to the mountain. And just as he's about ready to carry it through to, to, to sacrifice his son, it's like, it's unbelievable. I can't even imagine being put in that situation. I mean, I can't, uh, having a son, you know, that just, it does not compute in my mind what, what, what God asked Abraham to do. And yet he falls through. And you know what had happened? I think Abraham was thinking, even if I have to take my son's life as a sacrifice as God, as, as crazy as it sounds, God is going to do, God is going to raise him from the dead. That was the way he was thinking. I said, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a risk of death and will deliver us, in whom we have put our hope and that, we will, that he will also deliver us again. The whole point here of circumstances in our life is this, is that we would no longer be putting our trust in ourselves. There's a point where, and I think it's a healthy point, where we come to a point in our life where we don't trust our own natural heart or we don't trust our own natural opinion. Someone may say, well, that, that's second-guessing yourself. That's, uh, that's not a healthy place to be in your self-image or the way to be thinking as a person. I think it's very healthy because when we follow our heart, our heart can take us into some very dark places and some a lot of confusing places. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul said to the Philippians, he goes, we have no confidence on our flesh. Like, when I say flesh, I'm talking about my ability to do something for God my ability to understand God's plan, my ability to carry out God's will in my life. I don't have any confidence in that. I, I know that, you know, remember the parable what Jesus says, he says that there was a father who had two sons and he sent one, he said to his two sons, go out into the field and work. And one said, I will go, definitely dad, I'm gonna go. And then he never goes. And then the second son says, no, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go. And then later on he changes his mind and he goes. And the question that Jesus asked is, uh, who, did the will of, who did the will of his father? The one that said no at first. I think there's a moment where, where when God speaks to us and God leads us into circumstances, there are things that we don't understand and God does that so that we don't lean on ourselves. And it's not a, it's a, not a very uh, edifying moment, but it's a place where God brings us into humility. Because life is gonna happen Either way, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, whether you believe in God or not, the crises are gonna come. Things will come where you're at the end of yourself. And the difference is, is that there are some that have the word, that have wisdom from God, that can go to the word and hear from God about what his mind is. And then there's others that are just living in just in confusion. And Paul here says that we were, we were beyond, we were burdened beyond the extraordinary degree, beyond our strengths. Why? So that we, and so that we were despair and even living. Why? So that, so that we would not be putting confidence in ourselves, but in God. God wants, to, God wants to teach us to stop trusting ourselves. You know, I've heard people say, you know, God's never going to bring you to a place that you cannot bear. God's not going to give you more than anything you can bear. And I think that we misquote that verse in Corinthians, because that's not true. God is going to bring us to places. God's going to be putting things on our back. God's going to be giving us things that we cannot bear. It's actually gonna break us. 
God says, I'm not going to tempt you beyond that you're able to be tempted. But it does not mean that God's not going to bring circumstances into our life that we can't deal with to a point where we just actually, where we just actually break before him. God brings us to these circumstances because there's something good and awesome and powerful in your life. And I'm not going to speak long this morning because I just want to make a simple point is that there's something very powerful in you, and that's Christ in you, and that's got to come out. The power of God's got to come out. The, that's got to get released. That's got to be set free. That's got to be, and if it takes 40 years in the wilderness, going round and round and round, and it's only like an eight-day or 11-day trip by foot, right? Or, or how far was it? For, yeah, thank you, Jamie. It was very, very far. I mean, very, very close. And it wasn't far, but they're 40 years in the desert. And they're going round and round and round. Why are they going round and round? Because God is trying to break something. God is trying to release something that's in the Israelites, the, the call of God. As a husband, I think sometimes we're at a point where we're like, you know, I don't know about you, but a dad, a husband, a hardworking person, and you're just scratching your head. You're like, I don't know what to do next. And God's like, exactly. <laughs> sometimes we go to God and say, God, I really tried. You know, God, I gave him my best shot. I tried so hard, and I really apologize, but I just could not do this. And God's like, why are you apologizing? This is the point. I want to bring you to a point where you don't know what to do, where there's no answers, and there's nowhere to go. When, the, when, the, when we're being crushed to powder, and, 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 and everything is just like, it's not looking great, and we're at this point of desperation like Paul is in Asia, and, and man, that would, have been a, that would have been a fun mission trip, huh? <laughs> We're at the, point of, at the point of despairing our own life. God's doing this because he wants to get something out. And this is the main point of what I want to talk about, and that's the blessing. That's the blessing. I think a lot of us really seek the blessing. God, I want the blessing. It's, you know, we hear this sometimes. People say it's your years to shine, right? Or this is the year where you're going to get your breakthrough, or this is the year when you're going to get your blessing. And I think that God does desire to bless us, and he will bless us. And that's really God's plan. God's plan to, in Job's life was to bless Job, right? But we have to be broken first. And when God breaks us, that blessing comes out. And here's the point, is that the blessing that we are seeking for is really the breakthrough. And this breakthrough can only happen when we are broken. John chapter 12, verse 24, it says this. It says that unless a corner of wheat falls into the ground and dies. And you may say, well, Pastor, you've said that the last three Sundays. I think repeating things helps us to remember. Unless a corn of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it abides alone. I think until we truly die, we're gonna suffer spiritual loneliness. We're gonna gonna suffer spiritual isolation. And sometimes we could look at, we can point at the church or at people, at circumstances and say, but it's really God getting you and I alone with him. Remember Jacob just before he's gonna meet his brother Esau. He's really worried about that meeting. And he's alone, it says that Jacob was alone. And there was a man that wrestled with him all night. And who was that man? Jesus Christ. And sometimes we're in a wrestling with match with God and we don't realize it's God. We think it's flesh and blood, it's people, it's my neighbor. You know, it's the government, it's this, it's that. It's my health, it's my, it's my spouse. But it's Jesus Christ wrestling with us. And I like that, if you read that in the book of Genesis, that story, it says, and there was a man wrestling with him. It kind of just introduces the, the topic, the circumstance, in kind of a weird way, like, okay, there's a man wrestling with Jacob. And that's what happens with us is that we, we are in life and there are things that we start wrestling with and we don't recognize it's the hand of God. And there's two, there's two reasons why there's no breakthrough in our life. Number one, we don't see that this is the hand of God. Jonah said this, he said in Jonah chapter two, 
when he was praying his prayer of repentance, when he was in the, in the, in the, in the belly of the whale, he says, God, it was you that cast me into the deep. Not the guys in the boat, but it was you, God, that cast me into the deep. I think we could live in our life blaming people and blaming circumstances and blaming ourselves. And yet, at the same way, we have to understand that it's Jesus Christ that's wrestling with us. And he's asking us to do one thing. Give up our reign on our own life and just surrender to him. Just to surrender to him. Do you know, every trial that God gives us, every circumstance, every hardship that God gives us, there's one goal. Number one, to break us, but number two, to really promote and bless you and I in our lives. To lead us to a place of blessing and, and a place of where we can truly prosper spiritually. John 12, 24 is the secret. Then unless I fall into the ground, just die. And what does it mean to die? Okay, I just surrender to God's will. Lord, not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. And that's a great prayer to pray. It's very simple. Lord, not I, but you. Your will be done. And when that happens, something's released in our life, and it's no longer me trying to live my Christianity. It's no longer me trying to fight addiction. It's no longer me trying to fight this personality conflict that I have. It's no longer me that's trying to do something and make something happen in a relationship that's not going anywhere. It's no longer me that's trying to raise the kids. It's Christ. That sounds, it doesn't sound like it makes sense, does it? But it does make sense. Because when, a, when, a, when, the, when the seed falls into the ground and dies, and it was three days, I don't know if you've ever done something for three days. Uh, it's a long time. It's, it's pretty long when you're by yourself. And when you're there for three days, then you die. You know why? Because there's something in the seed that needs to get out. And that something in the seed is greater than the shell. And this is the main thing I want to say this morning. This is what really touched me when I was driving home from Little Rock last night. Is that there's something inside of you that's so much greater than your shell. There's, so much, there's something inside of you that's so much greater than what you look like and all of your personality and all the things that you can't do and all the things that you can do. There's something that's inside of you that is so supernatural, that's so powerful, it's so earth-shattering that if you, just, you and I just surrender to the plan of God, guess what happens? God comes out and things start happening in our life. Prayers get answered. Miracles happen. You know, there's this movement of like signs and miracles and wonders in Christianity right now. But I think I wonder, I don't, I'm not being critical, but I wonder if the, if the, the precedent to that message is deep death. <laughs> is there like, you know, is there, is there something where we are, where we have to go into the ground and just be alone and die? And when that happens, discern it. Just discern it. That's, that's the first reason why we never get broken is because we don't discern the hand of God. Just say, this is the Lord. Remember David is walking, right? And this man starts throwing rocks and dirt at him and yelling at him and cursing him. And then David's mighty men are all around him. You know, 600 men. These, these are men that are decent, decent, decent men, right? Decent sized men. And they're like, David, just say the word and he will, be, he will not be breathing in a millisecond. And David said, no, this could be the Lord. This may be the Lord. Do we do that in our life? Do we say, you know what? This may be the Lord. God may be showing something to me. And number two, the reason why we don't change is that we're not broken because we're just so in love with ourselves. We're so in love with ourselves. When we fall into the ground and we die, guess what happens? Something comes out. You know, in a marriage, you know something? When I decide in my marriage <clears throat> to die to Christ and to live for Christ and to die to myself, my own reactions and my own opinions or as a parent or as a, as a, <clears throat> as a leader or someone in my business or where I'm at in my friendships, when I decide to say, you know, I'm not taking my right here, 
You know, I don't need to win this fight. I don't need to win this argument. When I decide to do that, guess what happens? <clears throat> Human beings are made in such a way that when you don't react to their flesh, there's like, wait, what? Come on, fight. Let's fight, right? You ever have someone that's like combative? They want to bring you into a, an argument, into a fight? They say, no, I'm not going to fight. And it's like, you know, I love you, or I'm just not going to, I don't need to win this fight, you know? And when that happens, deeper thoughts come in, a deeper thinking comes in, and we, be, we, can be, we begin to take people out of a low kind of thinking and a low conversation, and we put them at a higher place, <clears throat> and we say, you know something, it's okay. We don't need to engage in this. I don't need to win this fight. When we take the leadership and we lead our family, we lead people, we, leave employee, we lead employees and people to a point to the best we can to a higher level of communication, guess what happens? That's spiritual leadership. And guess what happens? God begins, people begin to see Christ in you. People, your spouse begins to see who you are in Christ. The body's got to be broken. It's got to die because it's got to cease to exist. And when this body dies, that, that it's at that point, that, that, that when it's that we're no longer held hostage to it. And this is the second reason how this is a second blessing. Number one, the first blessing is that when we die and we, we resign our own rights to God, guess what happens? There's, a, there's something very powerful that comes out of your life that is very earth shattering and very earth moving in, in your circles, in your, in your business, in your life. Number two is that we have, to be, we have to die to this because we're in bondage to it. Remember Jonah? We just finished a series on Jonah on Wednesday nights. And by the way, Wednesday nights have just been so much fun. We're there in the corner, and I, you know, I know everybody's busy, but like, if, just come late if you come. It doesn't matter. But we're in there, and it's just really fun. We just, we, sh- we read a verse, and then we just talk about it, and we just have fellowship, and it's so encouraging. We were talking about Jonah, how he was so sad about the gourd, the plant that was protecting him from the sun, and then he dies, right? He was so, it says he was so happy because of the plant, right? Here's a prophet, here's a great man of God, and God's not gonna kill Nineveh like he wanted to because he was Jewish, and the Ninevites were just terrible to the Jewish nation, and, and, and Jonah really wanted to see the righteousness and the wrath of God on that terrible nation of Nineveh, and, he, and it didn't happen, and so Jonah is like depressed as a preacher, as a prophet, and so he's sitting outside the city, and he's baking in the sun, and then what happens? <clears throat> his plant grows over his head because God wanted to bless him. God had compassion on Jonah. And then what happens? It says that Jonah was very happy because of the plant. Little, our world gets so small when we don't die. You got it? When we don't surrender to God's plan and we don't surrender to God's way, guess what happens? Our world gets really small. And our joy gets all wrapped up in the little tiny things that we're living with, the little plant. And so what does it say? God had to prepare a worm. It says that in the scripture. God prepared a worm. (laughs) Sends the worm, right? And, God, and the worm eats the plant, and the plant dies. And God had to do that to release Jonah from his little world of conceiving what is really happiness. God has to do that with us too. God has to lead us to a place where there's no choice but to die. And not passive aggressively, but just to say, Lord, I discern this is from your hand, and I, I would really love to do what I would really love to do, but I'm gonna die to that, and I'm gonna get real quiet, and I'm gonna say, Lord, thy will be done, not mine. And then sometimes that's all we can do. Say, Lord, I don't know. And it's really okay to say sometimes if you're leading or as a pastor or as a Christian, as someone working in ministry, it's okay to say sometimes to people, I really don't know. May God's will be done. And when we do that, God is able to take over. And then number three, when we surrender to God's plan to, to break us, we may feel really weak. 
and we may feel much more dependent on him. But miracles are happening around us. I want to finish with this. When you and I choose the road of not addiction to power, like being powerful, and I think we have this concept in Christianity that we've got to be powerful. Man, Christianity is going to make me more and more powerful, but guess what? It's not the way it is. God is making us more and more dependent on him. And when we allow God to do that, we just don't feel really powerful. But just we start noticing that, wow, things are starting to happen around me. And God's starting to move. But I don't feel really powerful. And I don't really feel strong. And like, you know, like in the, in the cartoons and, and the world of, 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 of fantasy, you know, the hero comes out and he's like beaming and emanating with power and victory. That's not how it is with, with Christianity. It is that we come out and we're just extremely, extremely dependent on God. I'll close with a story of, of Jacob. Remember Jacob at the end of his life. Jacob was God's man. He went through so many different things. He was a man that was known to be really very witty and very wily and very able to uh, wheel and deal to get himself out of circumstances and to, to, to manipulate circumstances so that they would benefit him. And he finds himself over and over in a circumstance where he can't fix the situation. And so we see here at the end of Jacob's life, he's in Egypt right, and all his sons are in Egypt, and Joseph, his son, is actually next to Pharaoh, is as powerful as, as, powerful as Pharaoh. Imagine the scene, and, and Jacob's about ready to die, and it says, it says, I believe it's chapter 49, uh, forgive me if I'm not, if I'm wrong on that chapter, but he says that he's leaning on his staff, and he blessed his kids. There's a picture there. God wanted to make it very clear to us an old man leaning all his weight on a, on, a, on a staff with the power to bless an entire family and an entire nation. Guess what, that's you and I. When we are broken, what, people look at you like, wow, I was expecting something more sensational, something more powerful. Like, you know, and people come into your life and you're like, oh, where's, and it's not like that. They, they find an old man leaning on a staff, but his words, he says something and it comes to pass. He has power to bless. And here, note the, the Egyptian culture was just power and, and ability and, and beautiful, impressive architecture, incredible stuff. And then here's an old Jewish man with a broken heart because he thought his son was dead for so many years. And with sons that broke his heart because they, they lied to him. They said, we, your son died, and they actually sold him to Egypt. Uh, a man that had to forgive over and over and over and over and a man who was wrestling with God, and it says at the end of his life, he was leaning on his, on his staff, and he blessed his children. That's powerful. That's powerful. When you and I are just leaning on our staff, when we're just leaning on the word, and people come sometimes and look at your life, and they say, wow, I was expecting something. And you ever do that? You meet a famous person, a great speaker, an anointed person, and you look at them, and it's not, not much to see. That's how it is. Because you know what? God makes God weakens our strength in the way that he might be mighty. And when we allow God to make us weak, when we discern his plan, and we don't complain, and we just say, Lord, this is you. We allow God to work in our life. Guess what happens? Powerful things begin to happen. You say things, and God, God does amazing things. You know, it's interesting, and it's not today to talk about, it's interesting that, God, that Jesus never laid hands on his disciples and healed them. I don't know what to make of that. These are his intimates. These are his close guys. These are the, you know, Jesus is raising people from the dead, but he's never, he's never, he never heals Paul. 
Can we say that's like, well, because Paul didn't have enough faith? No, we can't say that because he was God's man. I think sometimes God leaves things in our life so that we can learn how to allow God to break us and that the power of God and the power of grace may be released in us. And that's when marriages are transformed. That's when, that's when we have power at work. That's when we have wisdom for our business. That's when we have wisdom for relationships. When we say yes to God, not my will, but thy be done. And when we do that, God is released. The Holy Spirit's released and things happen in our life. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. God, for, Lord, we just, we don't wanna be ignorant Christians or we don't wanna be people that <clears throat> don't know your will. We wanna grow in your word. I think that there's plenty of places that we could go to get a good, a good motivational message, a feel good about yourself sermon. Go somewhere where there's a lot of, a lot of texts that are quoted that are not necessarily the, power of, the powerful word of God. And Lord, we want transformation, we want change, and that happens when we surrender the fight to be better. Lord, the, Lord, as we limp along, Lord, unless you provide things, as we limp along in obedience, there's power to bless. We thank you for every family that's here today. We thank you for each person. And if you're here this morning and, and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe you've been religious all your life, maybe... You went to church because your parents made you go to church. If you've, if you've never made a personal decision to say, Jesus, I want you to be my personal savior, my personal, my personal God, do that today. Just say yes to God. Let him come into your life, invade, do a remodeling, bring in the new and take out the old, and he can do that. If you're doing that this morning, share that with someone. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Father, we thank you for Magnolia, God. Wow, just bless this city. Bless this place, Lord. We have such great expectations of what you're going to do in our midst. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.